Hey guys, what's up? Carson here. Today we're going to be talking about on the show the seven most asked questions about aviation. Now I know I already did the seven or the ten most asked questions about flight training, I believe it was, in either episode two or episode four, I forget. But um, this time I'm going to be doing the seven most asked questions about aviation. And uh, student pilots ask these, prospective pilots ask these, um, all sorts of pilots ask these. So hope you guys enjoy this. And as, as always, if you have any questions, comments, reviews, or suggestions for upcoming episodes, uh, shoot me an email at georgehasthewheels7500 at gmail.com. And you don't have to remember that. Uh, the email is going to be down in the description. Also, guys, just a quick reminder, as you know, I want to start transitioning to um, listener suggestions for episodes only. So send me suggestions, uh, at the email, George has the wheel email, um, which like I said, is going to be down in the description along with your name and your location. And I'll try to do as many of them as I can. Okay, guys, don't forget to check out my Patreon page. Link's going to be down in the description. Don't forget to check out my YouTube channel. Link's going to be down in the description. And, uh, as always, don't forget to get your exclusive audible 30 day free trial. This deal isn't forever guys. Uh, you got to get it while it lasts. So get your exclusive Audible 30-day free trial with the link down in the description. Okay, guys, once again, I'm your host on George Has the Wheel, Carson Wagner. George Has the Wheel starts right now. Hey guys, what's up? Carson here. And uh, like I said in the intro, we're going to be talking about uh, the seven most asked uh, aviation questions. Um, These are particularly by non-pilots. But yeah, so the first question is, how does a plane fly? And this is a great question, uh, one that I haven't probably thought about nearly as much as I should have on this podcast because... You know, I've been I've been talking about planes flying, and I've also been talking about planes crashing, and uh, you know, aviation in general. But I've never really said what does a what actually happens to make the plane fly. It seems to completely go against the laws of physics. A plane just uh, floating in the air, you know, three hundred uh, thirty. Sorry, why did you say that? Thirty-six thousand pounds of metal, solid metal, along with people inside, floating in the air. Um, and not only floating, but moving forward at insane speeds. So, what actually makes a plane fly? It's a little hard to describe this without a visual uh, diagram, or I shouldn't say diagram, a visual image, and I'm going to find one online, and I'll include a link to that down in the description, so you guys can get a better picture of how this really works. But there's something called Bernoulli's Principle. Bernoulli's Principle... Uh, was invented by a French uh, physicist, or he was a French scientist in, I believe, the 1600s. Uh, I think his name was Sir James Bernoulli. And what he did was he he said Bernoulli's principle is um, if a airfoil, which is a fancy way of saying a wing, uh, if a wing flies through the air, if a, if a wing moves through the air at a certain speed and the wing is curved just right, the pressure on the bottom of the wing is going to be bigger than the pressure on top of the wing, thus resulting in the wing going upward. And you're hearing this right now, and you're thinking, that's that doesn't quite make sense. And it didn't make sense to me the first time 
you know, I I thought about it either. On my first lesson, my instructor talked about this with me, and it took a little while to, it took me a few seconds to figure out what he meant. Um, but basically, it's all about the angle of attack, the way the airfoil, or the wing, strikes the air. So if the airfoil uh, strikes the air at a high angle of attack, so a plane is ascending, there will be less pressure on the bottom and uh, more pressure on the top, causing the plane to actually... Uh, sorry, I just realized what I was saying. I got that wrong. There will be more pressure on the bottom and less pressure on the top, causing the plane to ascend. Um, and apparently the pressure is so great that it actually... Uh, it can lift, you know, the, it, it supersedes gravity, and it supersedes the plane's weight. Um, and in the same way, you, when you descend, same thing happens. And then when you descend, actually, something interesting happens, and I watched a video on this a little while ago, but the plane's gravity, the gravity and the plane's weight actually takes over for you. So, at that point, gravity and the plane's weight actually supersedes the whole pressure system, and it goes down. Um, that's how you make a plane descend. You now, you now you know the physics behind it. But that's how a plane flies and basically the airfoil has to be curved just right and it has to get up to just the right speed and it ca has to catch the air in just the right way and once it does then the pressure on the bottom will be, will be higher than the pressure on the top resulting in the plane being pushed upward. Um, yeah, so that's how a plane actually flies, and as to different methods of propulsion, you know, you've got your jet engines, you've got your turboprop engines, and you've got your piston engines. Your jet engines, what they do is, um, actually, I'm going to talk about this in the next question, so I'll leave that for the next question, but, uh, the whole engines bit for the next question, but basically the plane has to just get up to enough speed. Uh, same principle, here's a, here's a, you know, hands-on experiment when next time you're driving along in the car uh, it'd be it's helpful if you're driving pretty fast like along a highway uh, maybe going 70 or 80 stick your hand out the window and slightly curve your hand to where the your thumb uh, is pointing uh, is up you make your hand completely flat and kind of tilt your hand up uh, I don't know how to the back of your hand should start to go down, and the front of your hand should start to go up. The front of your hand being the part where the thumb is. So once you've done that, um, you'll, you'll feel your, your hand will start to ascend. And if you do that too much, your hand will start getting blown backwards because it's causing resistance. Same thing happens if you do it the other way. Your, plane, your, your, plane, your hand starts to descend. Um, as before, it would ascend. I don't know if I just said on the first time your hand would ascend. I think I said it would ascend. Uh, but anyways, you get the idea. So, yeah, that's how a plane flies. It's interesting, and it's definitely a little more... Uh, you got a little bit more physics behind it than I realized originally. But it's very helpful to understand it, because once you understand it, once you understand the physics behind something and the way it works, it's a lot easier to operate and maintain uh, aircraft. So I can tell you uh, tons of things have clicked for me while I was flying... Um, after I learned about Bernoulli's Principle that never clicked before, um, before I learned about Bernoulli's Principle. So, uh, we're gonna, yeah, so, next question. How do engines work? 
how do the plane's engines work? So you have three different types of plane engines. You've got your jet engine, your turboprop engine, and your piston engine. So we'll start by talking about your uh, piston engine. Your piston engine is, the engine itself is just like the engine in a car, except for slightly more powerful. I shouldn't say slightly. It's a lot more powerful. But it's very similar to the engine in a car. It's got two magnetos, and both of them both of them spark and they create they create little explosions inside piston chambers that causes uh, pistons to go up or down and so on and uh, if you already know how an engine works then that's great that's uh, if you what I'm saying is if you already know how to how like a car engine works or a boat engine I believe it's also similar um, then you've pretty much got an idea of how a plane engine works they're the same but the Propellers are very interesting. Propellers are very interesting for multiple reasons. The first being, if you spin just blades flat through the... the I don't know if you've ever been up close to a plane propeller, but the propeller is actually slightly curved, and uh, it looks like it's almost twisted. Um, and it's that... It's Remember, it's that way for a reason. So remember a few minutes ago when I was talking about airfoils and how they have to be twisted to catch the air in just the right way? Um... Well, propellers have to do the same thing. They catch the air in just the right way and pull uh, the air, pull the air towards them, um, in turn moving the plane forwards. And this is, the, I mean, they use this. This is obviously very effective. You're probably thinking, you know, this is very effective in the air because you've got the wings helping all that and all that. But how does that help on the ground? The air is the same as it is on the ground. Um, the um, the air is the same in the air as it is on the ground, unless you go up super high, typically above eighteen thousand MSL, mean sea level. That's what that stands for. Uh, so eighteen thousand feet above the sea, and then you'll get, then you'll start to the air will start to thin out, um, and you know it'll be harder to breathe. Uh, one of the reasons piston engines don't go above eighteen thousand MSL is because the air there starts to get thinner, and their shape of airfoil. So their shape, their wing shape, and their um, propeller shape will uh, stop being effective, or they'll be too effective, and they'll start going crazy fast. Um, and some piston planes actually have, uh, you know, built-in oxygen systems. They have that, but aside from that, so they can go above eighteen thousand MSL. But aside from that, they have uh, propeller. They have pitch controls for their propeller. So they can fine-tune the pitch. Uh, the pitch is the curving on the propeller. That's what they call it. So they can fine-tune the propeller pitch, and uh, they can go up to those sorts of altitudes. And uh, I just want to note, you can't be at 18,000 MSL without oxygen. You can only be at 12,500 MSL for up to 30 minutes without oxygen, and then you'll start to uh, pass out. So, um, yeah, now you know that. So now that we've talked a little about piston engines, uh, let's talk. Move on to the next thing, which is turboprop engines. Turboprop engines are basically jet engines with a propeller. Um, they're basically older jet engines with a propeller. So older jet engines, uh, like they used in the fifties, and no, not even not that, not that uh, late. Typically around the twenties and thirties, when they had jet engines, um, they were jet engines were very few, and they were you know luxury. But they sucked in air, 
and in turn that air caused a propeller to spin. It built up air pressure and caused the propeller to spin. And um, so I don't know as much about turboprop engines, but I'm almost 100% sure that it's the same thing that they've got going now. I'm not going to talk about them too much because I don't want to give you guys information that's not true. And don't again, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Uh, air is sucked into the engine, pressurized, and then put into a piston, a chamber to make the piston go down and then up and then down and up. Um, in the same way, a magneto sparks uh, with the gas in the chamber, the piston chamber of the piston airplane, um, and then it causes the propeller on the turboprop airplane to spin. Basically, a turboprop is just an over-glorified piston. Um, it's a, you know, you can hear it, it's turbo propeller, it's what turbo prop stands for. So it's a super strong piston engine, um, except for, and again, don't quote me on this, but I believe it uses air instead of a magneto. So uh, now that we've talked about piston and turbo prop engines, let's talk about jet engines for a minute. Jet engines are pretty simple. Basically, uh, it sucks in air from intakes on the back uh, or the front of the engine. Um, it depends on which way you know you want the plane to go because planes jet planes can actually reverse their engines um for some reason they can't back taxi i think because their wheels don't just don't do that but they can reverse their engines um so jet engines they're pretty simple they suck in air from typically the front um though they can do it from either end they t suck in air from the front using huge fan blades and then push it out the back and uh you know a fan works about the same way the blades are curved just right, you know, just like on the piston turboprop planes. The fan blades inside the engine are, uh, the, their pitch is twisted just right to where they catch the air and then push out the back of the engine. Fan blades are the same way. It sucks in air from the back of the fan and pushes it out the front to cool you off. Um, so go look at a fan going and that, that'll just about show you, you know, what, you know, the that'll give you a good idea of how a jet engine works. You can also watch a video of a jet engine. Um, so, yeah. So, the next question is, how do airplanes taxi? They obviously don't have motors in their wheels and engines, so how do they taxi? Well, I mean, it's... I've pretty much already said the answer, but I'll say it again. The engine. The engine pulls them. So, for jets, uh, they literally just turn on the engines to extremely low power, and the plane starts rolling forward, um, just, you know, like it would do on takeoff, except for a lot less. How do, uh, turboprops, uh, taxi? Same thing, you know, propellers turn and they pull the plane forward just like when it's in the air. Um, uh, because like I said, the air, but the air on the ground is the same as the air up there. Um, so it pulls it forward and then, uh, pistons, you know, I don't think I need to explain that. It works the same way as turboprop. So we have one more question, and then we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with the last three. So our last question, can for uh, the first segment of this episode, can a passenger airplane fly if uh, all engines fail, um, or if the pilots have a heart attack or something? So can a passenger can a passenger fly the airplane if the engines fail? I mean, they're, the pilots can do it, but say the pilots are out cold and the engine fails and, um, you know, they can do it. It just takes a lot of guidance from ATC and help 
but they can it can it can happen. Um, it'll obviously be a lot more difficult, and they can do it, but it'd be hard, you know. And they have to get a lot of guidance from ATC. And um, also, something I want to something I want to say real fast. There have been several instances of passengers landing planes, and um, you know it going just fine. Still not something I recommend, you know, volunteering to do. But if you're the only one in the uh, plane who even has a remote idea of how to fly a plane, then, then you're going to have to do it. Um, passengers can also land the airplanes if the pilot's just out cold. That's obviously a lot easier. But um, Also, that leads... I actually have one more quick question right here. Can a passenger airplane... This, this really spawned off the last question. Can a passenger airplane fly if all the engines fail? Yes. Your average passenger airplane can glide for a hundred miles. A hundred miles. You'll be up there for so if it's at thirty thousand feet MSL, um, you can sorry AGL at ground level. So thirty thousand feet above the ground, you can glide for around a hundred miles before you know things start to go wonky and the plane crashes. Um, so you have a hundred miles. There's a lot typically a lot of airports within a hundred miles. So yes, it can fly if all the engines fail. It can glide. Um, just in my last lesson, I was doing emergency procedures, uh, and I, you know, my instructor cut the engine on me suddenly, and I saw personally how far it would glide. It was a good five or six minutes later, and we had only descended around 100 feet. Um, and then after that, I started really descending, uh, to aim for a landing field to simulate a landing, but that's not important. What's important is, yeah, I mean, it went, it went great, um, literally just a couple minutes later and we were we were we couldn't have been less than 300 feet below our altitude that we had been before um, and in fact that was only I had gained a little altitude right after the after my engine cut the uh, my instructor cut the engine out so actually we probably if I hadn't done that we probably would have lost a little more maybe around 400 but that's not enough I mean that's not that much um, definitely enough, you know, to give you a safe uh, margin for landing. Okay, guys, we're going to take a sh short break, and we'll be back in just a second with the next part of this episode. Hey, listeners, Carson here from George Has the Wheel. I want to take a moment to tell you about Audible's awesome 30-day free trial program. Just hit the link in the description and sign up for the free trial. You get a free membership with Audible for 30 days, one Audible credit to spend on books that are yours to keep, two credits if you're a Prime member, a friendly email reminder before your trial ends, and best of all, unrestricted access to the entire Audible Plus catalog of books, podcasts, including my podcast, audiobooks, guided wellness, and Audible originals. No credits needed. Again, to sign up, hit the link in the description and get your exclusive free trial today. Hey guys, welcome back to George Has the Wheel after that short break. So, moving on to our next question. So we have three more questions, but moving on to our next question. Can an autopilot alone land a plane? This is a little bit of a diff diff difficult sorry, question to answer because it's kind of like a... It's, it's a varying question, you know. There, there's different autopilots, different features, you know, that sort of thing. Overall, an autopilot cannot land a plane. 
if there's a pilot behind the autopilot using the autopilot, the pilot can use an autopilot to land the plane. I just said pilot so many times in the last three seconds that my mouth is hurting. But aside from that, uh, autopilots cannot generally land a plane. There are some very advanced autopilots on business jets that I, I believe were, could land a plane. And there's also, I don't know if you know who Surus is, but Surus is a aviation company based up in Wisconsin or Michigan, I forget which, one of those north, uh, northern states, Minnesota. It's Duluth, Minnesota is where they're based. And um, they build really nice planes, and one of their jets, it's a small, cheap, easy-to-use jet, and uh, it has an emergency autoland feature. All their jets have something called the CAPS, the Cirrus Airframe Parachute System. They're the safest planes in the world. You pull a handle and a parachute pops out from the plane and floats it safely to the ground. It's been proved and uh, tried many times and it's worked. And Cirrus um, uh, has a vision jet. Is what their their Cirrus has jet is called the Vision Jet, and it not only has the caps, the Cirrus airframe parachute system, it also has something called an emergency auto land system. It's basically a button to push for the passengers. This is only like a five or six seat jet, but it's a button to push for non-pilot passengers, and a uh, autopilot maps out the closest and uh, maps out finds the closest airport, the safest route to get there, and successfully lands the jet. And it's been actually tried and it's been proven to work. So it's awesome. So that can that autopilot can do it. I knew there were several autopilots in the 60s and 70s that um, could land a plane from a certain point if you turned it on and, you know, gave it metrics and whatnot. I entered, you know, how high you were and how, um, you know, how far to go into the runway, that sort of thing. It could land the plane. Um, I don't know of any now that can do it. Um, which is strange, you think they'd advance that, but they got rid of it in the late 70s, I believe, because there were several problems with it. So, and after answering that question, we're moving on to our next question. How do pilots find their way in the empty sky? And this is a very quick and simple answer, and it's GPS. Um, not only GPS, but you're in the sky. You can literally see everything around you for miles. Um, so you see an airport, and uh, typically you... I don't know what you can do at that point. Try to find a local frequency, um, and uh, and if you can find a local frequency, people will be talking on it, and that'll help you find out the name of the airport and where you are. Uh, typically, pilots don't get tend to get lost that much because they've got GPSs, but GPS is the main uh, sort of thing that you use to guide yourself around the sky. Um, also, roads can help. Telephone uh, wires, pipelines. Uh, big highways, you know, mountains, cities, they can all help, they can, also, they can all be major landmarks, but overall pilots just use GPS's like you use in your car. So, last question, and this is for, this is for an airline pilot, how does a pilot uh, decide a route? This is kind of a funny question, I wouldn't think this would be a most asked question, but it is, so I'm going to answer it. How does a pilot decide their route in the airlines? Um, they don't, the company does. They don't, the company does. So, uh, say you have American Airlines Flight 3568. I just com completely made that up, but and that's not a real, that's probably not a real flight. If it is, then I'm messing everything up, but anyways, I just made that up. American Airlines Flight 3568. Um, and let's say it's from Los Angeles to New York. 
it flies twice a day. Okay. Um, so each day they choose a different pilot to fly the leg or whatever. And uh, so it would be like 3568 going out to New York. And then it'd be a different number coming back from New York with a new load of passengers. Um, so the airline decides the route, the pilots just fly it. The pilots don't really decide the route. Unless there's an emergency situation and they have to divert to a nearby airport or something. Or there's bad weather up ahead, you know, lightning strikes, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. So hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. And um, I had something to say, something else to say to you, but I forgot it. So I apologize for that. But hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And as always, don't forget to follow me if you're on Spotify and uh or Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to go to my YouTube channel and subscribe, leave a comment, like all my videos, guys, and um, I'd really appreciate if you went to Patreon. If I've given you more than three or four dollars worth of knowledge in aviation um, the, in this podcast, go to Patreon, become a member, get access to all sorts of exclusive benefits and awesome, um, awesome pro- promotions and things, and uh, yeah, guys. So yeah, like I said, I hope you enjoyed this. I uh, hope you, like I said, yeah, yeah. So uh, hope you enjoyed this episode and hope it benefited you. And uh, Carson Wagner signing out, guys. Until next time.